When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I welcome in to the DNVR Avalanche podcast. It's Wednesday. It's the off-season. Well, the off-season for the Avs. So that means it's myself, Jesse Montano, with Megan Angley uh, here in studio. We have a lot to get into today, Megan, um, which is fun given that it's the off-season and we haven't been at the <laughs> arena. Yeah, there's been no shortage of news. Yes. This has been a news-heavy off-season, like just in general. Even our abs-based pods, we don't get to certain topics. Right, right. And thankfully, we look ahead like, well, we have all off-season to yeah, do it. Yeah, yeah. Actually, one of a couple of the topics we're going to get into today is stuff that you and I weren't able to get to last Wednesday. Yeah. And we've actually tried to work into a few shows since. But like you said, there, there's just a lot going on right now. Um, stuff that affects, you know, stuff from individual teams, individual players, all the way through... There are big league-wide sweeping things that are happening right now um, that that have a lot of uh, impact. Maybe most notably um, what happened yesterday in Arizona. Three different propositions uh, were on the ballot to get the team uh, a new arena, entertainment district, all of that, and really kind of solidify their future uh, in Arizona. Megan, all three of those propositions get voted down, uh, and really we don't, know what comes next there's kind of a wide range of of what's on the table so instead of us speculating about that uh we reached out to our good friend uh craig morgan uh from phnx has done an unbelievable job covering the coyotes and really has been up to date uh on all of this and so i think we've got him here yes there he is craig how's it going sir what's up guys what, what are you talking about something happened here yesterday oh yeah no. that's what i thought <laughs> i saw Business some on twitter so coyotes business as usual. What are you talking about? <laughs> uh, hey, hey, your voice doesn't sound too hoarse yet from all the radio hits you've been having to do and your uh, own show uh, and all that. How are you holding up? Uh, well, a lot better this morning than I was last night. I got about yeah. two and a half hours of sleep. Woo. And, you know, we've, we've, we've all <clears throat> already expressed on our show this sort of existential crisis we were feeling, yeah. thinking that this was it, that the coyotes were finally leaving Arizona. Um, You've seen the reports. Uh, Greg Wyshynski put it out that they're going to be playing at Mullet Arena. I've actually, I actually said that on two radio shows this morning um, with uh, a Vancouver radio station that I was also on the Jeff Merrick show. I know that to be true, but beyond that, guys, I now think that there's a path forward for the Coyotes in Arizona, and I didn't think that when I went to bed last night. So that's a crazy turn of events, but like I said, that's business as usual with the Coyotes. This is, I've been on the roller coaster for two plus decades, and it continues. So, all right, well, let's let's dive into that a little bit because I I was thinking that yeah, here we were heading it's, down kind of a doom and the gloom path back through Phoenix conversation. Yeah. So, propositions three hundred one, three hundred two, three hundred three all fail yesterday at the ballot. Can you just kind of for for people who don't fully know what all that encapsulated, can you just kind of walk through what that meant and how there is maybe a path forward now sure uh the or what the, the paths forward could be i guess the coyotes proposed arena and entertainment district on the south bank of the salt river in tempe went to referendum in the city of tempe now they made that decision a while back because 
they knew it was going to be challenged anyway. It would have gone to referendum one way or the other. Had they waited for an opposition group to challenge it, it would have taken until August for this to go to referendum. So it would have slowed down the timeline on what they hoped would be breaking ground on their new arena. Well, of course, it, it didn't pass. In fact, it was it was crushed yesterday, yeah. which was a complete surprise to all of my sources internally, both with the city of Tempe and with the Coyotes. They had conducted their own internal polling and they thought they had as great as a 10 point lead. So, wow. I don't know how your polling is that dramatically off. They thought they were going to get 56, 57% of the vote. That's what the opposition got. So, holy smokes. You probably didn't hire the right polling firm or you weren't <laughs> looking at the right things because that was that was an abject failure to believe that you were going to be celebrating that night and then have the numbers pop up and it was just it was like a, a funeral in that place afterward. No I was at the kidding. the Tempe Winds party. So, at that point, you're looking at the situation They've already been kicked out of Glendale. I, I still don't think there's any path back to Glendale, and I don't know why there would be because it was never financially viable, and the commissioner of the NHL said so, that they would not be staying in Glendale. So you look around the Valley, they can't be attended in the Suns Arena because that, that was the building they left for those very reasons. They couldn't <laughs> make the revenue that they needed to as a tenant in an NBA arena. Well, what other options are there? There are none. So you looked at it at that point, and with, with Alex Morello's track record in Glendale with the failure to pay bills, with the athletic story, and now this yep. failed campaign, I think everybody thought this is the end. They're yeah. leaving. There's no path forward in Arizona. I don't know what's going to come of the, the options here, but I have great faith in the source that told me that there's a path forward. We've already seen a couple of tweets, Alex Morello telling Andy Strickland that they want to be, the, the, the plan is to be in Arizona. Of course, Greg Wyshynski and I both reported this morning that they're going to play in mullet next year, but I, I do think that there are options, viable options, that they're going to start considering immediately. Wow, so I, I want to go back to what you were just talking about there with the Suns, the, the Suns Arena, because I know that was something that had been talked about a bit of, could you get in with the, the new Suns owner, Nikola Jokic's best friend? Uh, you know, could you get in with him? Could there be renovations done uh, to that building to, to make it suitable for hockey? Craig, you're saying that as of right now, that is not an option. Well, as as a tenant, no. Like the, the only way that would work mm. is if Matt Ishbia wanted to turn around and buy the Arizona Coyotes if they're available yeah. right after he just bought the the Phoenix Suns, which right. is one hell of a financial commitment to make in such a short period of time. Quite the it shopping spree. Then because then you're you're getting all those ancillary revenues that you don't have access to otherwise is as a tenant. Um, and, and if you look around the 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 NHL at at the the shared arenas. It's not a situation where an NHL team is playing in an NBA arena. The NHL either owns it or the owner owns both of the teams. Yep. You have to have that arrangement because the NHL in particular, its revenue is driven by the arena, whether it's naming rights or corporate sponsorships. That's where the vast majority of the money is coming from. You're not getting it from the TV deals or the radio deals because they're no yeah. as, nowhere near as lucrative as they are in the other three sports. Craig, yeah. I was wondering on the political component in all of this, if there are maybe some positives to derive. I heard there was something like a 30% turnout for the voting for this. It probably leaned on the 65 plus crowd too. But I'm wondering yeah. if born from this disappointment that the Coyotes base will be incentivized to kind of rally around this team moving forward in mm -hmm. any other paths forward that there might be in seeing, wow, 
we really, this option was on the table, the doomsday clock is ticking. Do you think that maybe this could rally the base and galvanize them? Well, maybe it depends on the situation, right? Like if they go to another municipality where you would require a public vote like Mesa, Mesa is another one of those possibilities that has been talked about, whether it's a location along the Salt River or Fiesta Mall, you, you might have to go to a public vote again. And, and, and I guess voter turnout, I mean, we want to see that in terms of democracy, but they, they didn't manage the voter turnout well. They didn't message yeah. very well in this election. I don't think they got to know Tempe voters and what mattered to them. And I think it showed in this election. So at least they could take a lesson from that in, in learning how to message better. Um, but in terms of the voter turnout, the other thing that I would say, looking at the opposition campaign, God, it was ugly politics, guys. It was yeah. There were outright lies and misinformation being floated by the opposition campaign. I I know they don't care because they won, and that's that's the game in politics. But they ran a really slimy campaign. It was gross to watch. So I I, I have a hard time taking any positives away from that. Yeah. So building off that with the with the voter turnout question, one, do you think that that was maybe the disappointing voter turnout is what led to the polling being so off? And then no, two, the voter turnout was higher. It was a record turnout. Oh, they really? Got, no. They, yeah, yeah, so they, they were really happy with the turnout. In fact, that was one of the narratives going into that party last night. They were really happy with the voter turnout because they thought it favored them. Well, I have no idea how they thought wow. that, how they were so wrong right. in reading the electorate other than they hired the wrong people to analyze that electorate and run their campaign. And, and so that was kind of my next question was, did, did they just kind of miss the mark? Did they not? Because I've seen a lot of conversation that, you know, the, the opposition did a lot more campaigning, it seemed like, than the, the Tempe wins group. Did they just maybe was it a little bit of overconfidence? They didn't campaign the way they needed to just didn't put the money that the opposition did. Do you have anything that you can kind of point to that you think maybe this is where it broke down? Or I mean, is it just kind of everyone's stunned right now because it went so against what we thought? Well, they didn't. They certainly didn't run an experienced-looking campaign. So that that's that's the starting <laughs> point. But then when you look at the money spent, I know the uh, you know the Arizona Republic had a, a figure that the opposition only spent thirty-five thousand dollars, which was it's an absurd assertion. They they probably spent two million dollars. There was there was union money behind the opposition, and that was the big force behind it. So and and they hired the right people. They they had experienced yeah. people on the campaign trail running it. So. You, you have that element of experience, but then they got outspent. And I don't understand mm -hmm. that at all. You knew what was at stake here. You looked at the scale of this project and the potential revenue that Alex Morello was looking at. Why on earth would you not go all in on spending to run the right kind of campaign, the most effective campaign, the campaign that was going to win this? If it cost you $4 million, why wouldn't you do that given right. the potential impulse? It baffles me. I still don't understand why they did what they did. Megan, do you have What any? do you think the motivation was from out-of-state parties' involvement in Arizona local elections? Union. They want, wanted to unionize the entire project, and that's mm -hmm. Lauren Kuby, one of the, the key members of the opposition. She's very closely affiliated. I'm guessing she profited from that relationship with an out-of-state-based union. They wanted this entire project to be constructed by unions. And, and many of those workers, because Arizona doesn't have enough union workers in certain areas would have come from out of state. So they were willing to give jobs on this project to out of state workers 
that would be union workers rather than giving them to Arizona workers. That was a that was a contentious point and one that was brought up by a couple of former mayors, Hugh Hallman and, and Neil Giuliano. But again, it, it didn't seem to reg register with people. It, it didn't seem to matter. They're, somehow the Coyotes didn't message well enough on some key points like that one, like they were handing jobs out of state to out of state workers rather than giving them to Arizona workers. Right. So I, got, I just got a couple more for you here, Craig. Don't let you go catch your breath and get some sleep. But I want to just want kind of a, a clarification because I've seen a lot of conflicting reports. What percentage had this gone through? How much of the cost would have been passed on to the taxpayers? Because I know that that was something that a lot of people talked about. Was there a substantial cost going to the taxpayers? I've seen stuff from it would have cost taxpayers a lot to this was all being funded privately. Well, it was being funded privately. The, the, the tax component of this deal was within the district itself. The, the Coyotes were going to use a portion of the sales tax to pay down the debt. That's how the tax worked. Mm. There was no burden on Tempe taxpayers. If you didn't go to the district, you would literally pay zero for this project. That was what the, the brilliance of the construction of this project, and that's why they're calling it, and it was, probably the best constructed arena deal in American sports history. Yeah. They really had a good plan in place. But again, the opposition kept messaging, oh, they're, they're giving taxpayer money away. And people believed it. They didn't even read the deal. There were a lot of misinformed voters out there. Again, the only way you were going to pay for it is if you showed up on the district, you went to a game or you went to a restaurant or you stayed yeah. at a hotel or went to a shop. Portion of that sales tax was going to be used to pay down the debt. That's it. That was the only tax component. And I'll, I'll say this, there were, there were other components of this deal when it was originally constructed. Tempe did a masterful job of protecting themselves from any sort of liability. Credit their city staff, credit Hugh Hallman, who I mentioned earlier, for construct, constructing a really good deal for the city. And yet the voters voted it down and now they're left with a landfill, which as Neil Giuliano told me last night, will probably still be there when he dies because it's already been there for seven decades. There's not a better deal out there. There, It's a pipe dream for them to believe that this is going to be developed into something else. I remember you telling Megan and I that when we were down in Arizona and you drove us by it, you were like, yeah, that's a landfill. And if this doesn't pass, it's going to stay a landfill. Uh, last one for you, Craig, and it's kind of a quick one. Have you heard from any of the players? Just what's kind of the general sense on, on that side of it? Because are you, are you, we saw the tweet from Clayton Keller last night. Have you heard really any kind of sense uh, beyond that? No, not from the current players. We were actually supposed to have Christian Fisher on the show today, but the Coyotes pulled him back for obvious reasons. I've heard from a ton of former players. I, I lost count at some point last wow. night of the, the former players texting me. They're all crushed by this, which tells you how much this market and this team still meant to them in spite of all the struggles. Um, but we have not heard from any of the current players yet, other than, like you said, their forays into social media where Clayton <laughs> Keller is tweeting a, a, an emoji. Yeah, it's... it's um... I mean, really, Craig, you know, I've talked to you about it. I think Arizona is a, is a really important market for the NHL and the, and the game of hockey to continue to grow. Uh, I, I really do. I, I hope, you know, what you were saying there, I hope there is a path forward to stay in Phoenix or, or just Arizona in general because uh, I, I think it's a really important market for the league. But, uh, I, I mean, fantastic work as always, Craig. Uh, you guys do such great work down there, and uh, I'm sure we'll be touching base a lot more here over the next few weeks as this stuff kind of continues to develop. But, uh, yeah, go rest up, get some sleep. Uh, we uh, appreciate it a lot, Craig. Yeah, if nothing else, I'll see you guys at the draft, right? Yeah. Looking forward to Hey, we all we got that, right? We've, we've yeah. always got that. Uh, Craig Morgan, PHNX, thanks so much, thanks, man. Thanks, Craig. See you guys. See you. Uh, so
so there you go. A um, lot of good information. Always a lot of good information from Craig. Definitely. Great. He's just so plugged in. It's That's what makes so much of this disappointing is Seriously. how passionate of a base is there beyond just the fan base, but the media that covers this team, the players, the development programs that have stemmed from this, the hockey market that, though small, has grown products like Austin Matthews and Matthew, Matthew Nyes and yes. Josh Doan. Obviously, that's kind of a slam dunk one, but... That is what makes all of this really hard to swallow. I think that's why nobody here is celebrating this news. Right. Well, and, and, but even Josh Doan, like I'll, I'll push back on it kind of being an easy slam dunk because like he went to ASU. He didn't have to go to ASU. Yes, he that's a great point. He could have gone to a lot of D1 programs. He could have gone to major junior. But like, no, he stayed in Arizona because he believes in the program that's being built there. And uh, again, the, what, what you feel like is a decent hockey culture being built. Uh, <clears throat> you know, again, this wasn't my first time. But like Megan, you and I were just down there what six months ago and i loved it i loved it it's great there, there is a passionate base there mullet was i mean it's understandably a smaller arena size right. but i thought it was an electric atmosphere i thought this is a crowd that is really excited about this team mm -hmm. and that's just i'm not going to even think of it in terms of and now it's over right. but it is still difficult that it could be this is the maybe not like the most real but like there's been a lot of conversation in all these years past about like, oh, move the Coyotes. Oh, if they can't do this. Oh, if the owner doesn't that. But really, it, it never actually felt like it was getting there. It never actually felt like the NHL was going to move that franchise out of Arizona because of how much Gary Bettman and the NHL do believe in that market. Right. This feels like this feels like for the first time we're maybe turning down a road. We're at the end of it may be the end of the Arizona Coyotes. And it, it's tough because there are things that have led up to this. The path mm -hmm. here has been a rocky one. Yes. The NHL has had to get involved just to keep this market alive. There's been a lot of resuscitation when this team is flatlined. <laughs> right, and right, I don't right. mean team like the product on ice. I just mean it's viability, right? And for that reason, I, I understand the criticisms of it, but it just feels like it hasn't been executed well. It, it doesn't yes. feel like there isn't a market for hockey in Arizona. It just feels like it hasn't been executed well. And that's what makes it disappointing is I think these steps forward, like moving them, because a part of it's too where the players wanted to be. Like you look at the failures right. of Glendale and there are reasons for that. And, and I'm sure shared blame on both sides, but that just wasn't the right location for a team. And this would have been such a great solution for a, a, a location that both the players, the organization and the fan base could all agree on and get mm -hmm. excited about. Yep. And, and, and just to touch on what you just mentioned about it, it was just never going to work in Glendale for people that are familiar with the, with Denver and the, and the Metro area. It's literally the equivalent of if they moved ball arena to castle rock where it's like, it's a nice, it's a nice area. You like it, but it's, 45 minutes from downtown and with traffic, it's over an hour and you know, it's just not where all the people are. So it, it, you're right. Like it just, it wasn't a good setup there. And I think that's a great way of putting it, Megan, that I, I, cause I do, I disagree with the notion that Arizona is not a good hockey market. I just think there's been a lot of stuff along the way where it's like you're stepping on every rake that's laid in front of you. And I do think that you're right. What we saw you and I witnessed that mullet. There is a passionate base oh, there yeah. and there's, there's a big enough base that the people are into hockey. All of the local rinks are, you know, smattered with coyotes branding and all of that stuff. And it's just like, can you just get out of your own way a little bit? And you know, like Craig was saying there, how do you get outspent? How do you get outspent on this campaign 
given what was at stake. It's a real failure that I think we're going to look back historically and how things shake out here to point to this being just such an avoidable error. Because That's a great word for it. even looking at the website's opposition and the, those who were for, there's a really stark difference even just in the makeup of the websites and the information that's available on them. One was a lot more text heavy. And so you might find that to be more trustworthy, but that is yep. also conveniently the oppositions and a lot of it is hypotheticals. Yes. And so it's not even me putting my flag in the sand either way, but there was a clear difference in I think how this was shared, promoted. And I, I think there's going to be a lot of regret because I think there were people who would have been more energized to get out even more of the vote, even though it sounds like turnout might not have been the exact problem. They just didn't reach the right base. And yes. I think they're going to have a lot of regret over that. Totally. And, and the part for me, and like I said, I wanted to ask Craig about this because I saw so many conflicting reports and to your point of just like not getting the right messaging out to me, I, I mean, they should have spent a million dollars on campaigning alone saying this doesn't cost you anything. This, this costs you nothing. You know, obviously, if you go to the events and stuff like that, some of that, you know, like I know Cherry Creek has an extra tax that goes towards, you know, developing and upkeep and all that. I mean, but you're talking like cents on your purchase at Cherry Creek Mall. It's like cents or at most a dollar or two. That to me should have been the message because I can't tell you how much I saw on Twitter of, well, taxpayers didn't want to take on, you know, a $7,000 per family burden. I saw, you know, prominent media folks talking about that. Craig, I, I trust Craig over anyone on this particular instance because I know how closely he's been oh, working yeah. with that. And for him to give that explanation emphatically of, no, there was no tax burden unless you went and shopped. Unless you went and shopped, ate at a restaurant, you had a little bit of an extra tax that helped, you know, on your bill that helped pay down the debt. Otherwise, there's nothing coming out of your pocket. To your point, they missed on a lot of things and maybe not pushing that because it does sound like what you're saying on the website, what Craig was saying, that was what the opposition honed in on. Do you want to be stuck with this bill when that was never the case? You know what really, too, I wanted to ask Craig about is they keyed in on the reputation of Alex Morello, and I wanted to know what his experience has been alongside this person because they really tried to smear him and sort of point to him and failed business deals as to why this also shouldn't happen. Mm -hmm. And being out of touch of Arizona local politics, I don't... <laughs> you don't keep up on that? I don't. So <laughs> I, I, I'm not too sure it, what the reality is yeah. of this person at the helm because now he is the majority owner after some things went sideways with their minority owner just like a couple months back, which... This is also where I feel for the Coyotes. There have been a lot of a lot of rakes placed in front of them mm -hmm. that are also difficult to avoid stepping yes, on. Yeah, and it's it's just it's a tough blow, definitely. It is, and I, I want to talk about what the potential implications, if this doesn't work out, uh, you know, may kind of be uh, on the other side here. But before we get into that, I do want to remind you guys that we are uh, this is the NBR Avalanche Podcast, brought to you guys. <laughs> by uh, Breckenridge Brewery, uh, the official beer of DNVR. I was just talking about it uh, with a buddy last night. Uh, he actually, he played hockey with him for a long time and he just really started getting into the show. He was like, dude, I just started, I went and got a case of Breck the other day just because you guys were talking about it. He actually called out the fact that last Wednesday you said you hadn't had any. I wanted to address this. 
because I felt really bad. I don't. So really... you wouldn't crush a twelve pack that night no, by yourself? No, it's because someone was like wine snob in the chat, and I wanted to. I wanted to defend myself that I don't even drink wine. I just don't really drink unless I have a purpose. So if there was like a beer tasting, if we hosted a Breck Brew beer tasting. I would go and I would try them and I would enjoy them because I do drink alcohol. I just don't keep alcohol at home. I don't sip you on it. You actually may have had a Breck brew when we were in Arizona. Of course. Of I, course I did. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm just now sitting there thinking because you and I we yes. hung out with my buddy. He had some because who lives there. And I actually think what he had, I think you did have a Breck. But I don't know if you were fully aware because you were just like yeah i'll take a beer and he handed you definitely not aware (laughs) and that was because of the purpose of a social setting right right yeah like just chilling at the bar while i'm working yeah i don't so i just i didn't want people to think i was a snob it was not (laughs) coming from that kind of place but well actually you saying you never had one my buddy was like well now i i have to go try one uh so he went out and and, uh we had a couple uh last night at a mountain beach uh, at, at his place, and uh, there's you can't go wrong with any of the Breckridge Brew. Uh, now getting into summer, they've got their seltzers and stuff like that. Make sure you are using the Breck Beer Locator uh, at breckbrew.com to find your nearest liquor store where you can pick some uh, Breck Brew up for yourself. They are now available in all 50 of the United States, not just the continental uh, U.S. anymore. So anywhere in the U.S., use that Breck Beer Locator. Uh, find them near you. They really are. I, I'm not a huge beer person i'm you know i i like to i have a certain beers that i like i haven't found a breck brew that i don't like yet and that's being someone who doesn't really like ipas dark beers their ipas their dark beers i can get them down i like them um really like i said i I haven't found a breck brew that i don't like and i'm gonna go ahead and say that megan did have one she just doesn't remember having (laughs) i loved it yeah (laughs) and she loved it it was so good it didn't even like register that that's what she was doing uh, head to breckbrew.com, find that near you. Also brought to you guys by Colorado Golf. Join over 75,000 golfers with the Colorado Golf Association today and receive an official USGA handicap with worldwide access to score posting and GPS tracking. Membership means more at the CGA. Uh, and members get the opportunity to play exclusive courses around the state, such as Aspen Golf Club, the club at uh, Ravina and uh the pinery and more members also gain access to exclusive member content with offers and discounts from national and local companies including imperial golf tech pga tour superstore learn more about the colorado golf association today by visiting coloradogolf.org that's coloradogolf.org and use code dnvr5 and you're going to get five dollars off your membership coloradogolf.org use the code dnvr5 get five dollars off your membership today DNBR Avalanche podcast, Jesse, Megan, Tiff running the board for us. Um, we just heard from Craig Morgan about everything that happened with uh, the Arizona Coyotes deal yesterday. Now, he did report this morning they will be playing in Mullet Arena next year. I won't lie, Megan. I'm, I'm glad to hear that um, because it was already being floated this morning by some pretty prominent folks that everything was on, is on the table everything is on the table right now. And that included potentially relocating the Arizona coyotes this summer. Sounds like that's not going to happen. They'll be in mullet arena next year. I'm glad to hear that Craig said he has been told by a very trusted source of source. There is a path forward. Maybe in Mesa. We'll see. 
if that can't happen, and we don't have to spend too much time on this because let's not exist too much in this completely hypothetical world. If that does happen, you are talking about central division implications. Arizona Coyotes are a team um, that just moved to the central from the Pacific. Houston, Salt Lake City, Sacramento, Kansas City are the four cities that have been floated that, hey, if this is going to be a relocation, these are the cities that we're talking about. Pretty much all four of those, no issue. They stay aligned in the central. If you're talking Sacramento, I don't know, are you talking Vegas to the central? Hmm. That feels more realistic. Right? Bumping them. You know, I mean, I don't know. Maybe you could do like Edmonton or Calgary, but it'd be weird to move one Alberta team and not the other. Yeah. So, I mean, like, look, this this has real potential implications on, on... the way that teams, divisions, conferences are aligned. You can throw Quebec City in there, I guess. I I struggle with that because I just don't think that the NHL is wanting to realign to that extent. You know, Winnipeg had to spend one year in the East, and I know it was terrible for them in their travel and all of that. So I don't think the NHL would want to move the Coyotes to Quebec and then have to realign after a year and brutal travel for one season. Um I don't know. Do you you kind of have any thoughts on those four cities, Houston, Kansas City, Salt Lake, Sacramento, or just, you know, what it may mean for the league? Well, is there any one city of those that you would be, I don't want to say excited about, but kind of intrigued to see what a market would look like there? For me, it's Salt Lake. That is also where I'm at. I'm not so interested, though not largely opposed to some of those others, but like Houston doesn't really excite me. Kansas city. I personally wouldn't have a ton of interest in, but I know they have a huge sports base there. So I don't want to discount it. Um, But you've got the blues. Like it's, it's just really close. Sacramento is interesting just because of all of the teams that already exist around it. Like, I guess I could see that really becoming some kind of hub and shaping a lot of road trips around it. That becomes a super easy San Jose Sacramento rivalry. Right. So there, it's honestly, it makes a lot of sense. I could get a little excited about that, but Salt Lake is the one that intrigues me. I think that they're, because the part I go back to, like with Arizona and all of this is if not for the hockey market sort of being centered around the Coyotes and giving young, hopeful players something to be inspired by. Mm-hmm. We don't know if an Austin Matthews gets into AAA hockey totally. in Arizona, and we don't oh, know totally. if an Austin Matthews is ever discovered. I could really see a Salt Lake being the hub or home of a future star that just needs a little bit of something to derive inspiration from and and just to see more rinks get opened up, more ice time get opened up. And so I I could get excited about that. I can imagine it. Well, and it's it's a fresh market, right? Like, you know, Kansas City had the scouts. Sacramento, that's really close to San Jose, NorCal. You know, you're, you're kind of already there. Houston, did the arrows move? I don't know. I believe I don't I don't think the Houston arrows are there anymore. I'll double check that real quick. Um, but you got you know I I don't know. I just think that Salt Salt Lake is like completely fresh. It's an easy. They stay in the central and really part of what part of the reason why I wanted Connor Bedard to go to the Coyotes and part of the reason why I really hope they stay there. There is just some weird hatred between the Abs and the Coyotes. 
the teams have been on opposite ends of the of the standings for almost a decade now, and there's just this really nasty hatred between the two teams. And I just I would have loved to see a guy like Bedard go there and turn that franchise around because I thought that could have really set up nice for this just like you know fun four corners rivalry between the Avs and the Yotes. I think something like Salt Lake kind of keeps that alive, right? Two similar climates, you know, mountain, not mountain towns, but you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, big ski resorts nearby, very similar, you know, landscape wise. How far is Salt Lake from here? Like eight hours by drive. Like, I think that could be a fun rivalry. So if, if you have to move Arizona, I think Salt Lake is a fun, fun landing spot. Definitely. It's an interesting component too, that we learned they'll be in Mullet at least for another year because I wonder the implications of just they are on the doorstep of things turning around for the better. Like Logan Cooley, Cooley is going to be a player and they're about to have six overall pick yep, in the draft. Yep, yep. I also, in, a, in a very good top 10. In a, in a deep draft year. Um, they might even have another. Do they have six and 12? They do. They do. So yes. It's just... And then obviously what's presently in Arizona too, there are some things to get excited about as well in, in a young goaltender on the rise and Vimelka. Matias Michelli. Matias Michelli. Yeah. A Calder contender, I think is a fair way to put it. And then uh, a big breakout for Clayton Keller this year. Huge breakout. I mean, whether or not he remains Nick Schmaltz, but right. it's, there are things that's like, what is, I really hope they figure out the future soon because this is going to make a lot of things feel different for the players that are newly coming into mm-hmm. this organization if there is so much uncertainty. Well, even Logan Cooley. Logan like Cooley even especially. Him, because he hasn't signed it. yet. And, and so it's like, okay, does this uncertainty, does, how does that affect him? Is he now not willing to sign? Does he want to go back another year? Well, like you said, it's just, the, the, there's, you're scrolling through, well, I would love if Ryan Reynolds came in and bought the Yotes. Um <laughs> You know, you're scrolling through Twitter last night and, and there's a lot of the people kind of dunking on it, right? Like, oh, good, the, the franchise sucks. My thing with it is that there's just so much, and you alluded to it off the top, Megan, like there's just so much around this. It's not just the team. It's not just the, the players that are on the roster. There's a lot that this impacts and there's a lot of a long-reaching, wide-ranging effects that something like this has. And I, I just hope they get it figured out because... It has, it has wide-ranging effects. And, and you hope that all the people that are impacted aren't too greatly impacted. And this ends up being a speed bump because you could be, with everything you just pointed out, you could potentially be staring down another Quebec to Colorado situation where as soon as the team moves, they get really good. Well, I guess Quebec was good already, but as soon as it gets to Colorado, they become elite and they're just at the top of the standings every year and they're winning Stanley Cups and all that stuff. With all the people that we know in Arizona and what we know about it, I would hate to see that happen. Absolutely. <laughs> hate said happen to them. Um, anything else on this, how it affects the Coyotes, how it affects the Central Division, and ultimately kind of the Avs um, before we kind of start transitioning into what else we might be looking at here as, as we're, you know, barreling towards the, the full offseason. Anything else on Coyotes? No. Okay. All right. So let's. Let's get this part out of the way. Let's let's bring it back to abs a little bit. Because as much as there could be changes, 
you know, at the league level, at the division level, I think there's going to be a lot of shakeups in terms of rosters. And I think you're going to see a lot of teams look very different next year. Uh, obviously within the central Chicago comes immediately to mind. They land Connor Bedard. How does that affect what they do in free agency and through trades? And we're starting to look at the abs, right? And, and what are they going to look like? What can they do? And you and I didn't really get a chance to get into it fully last week, but it all starts with Bowen Byram. And what does his number come in at? What do they decide to do with him? I guess let's just start, Megan. Do you have any kind of sweeping thoughts on... I know we wrote about it in the round tables and stuff. Bowen Byram, where you see that contract landing, maybe what you would give him, anything like that? Yeah, well, and I, I'm glad we want to talk about it because I feel like there's more layers to it than exists for yep. Newhook. And totally. I think it poses, I don't want to say more of a challenge, but in knowing, too, that Elliot Friedman reported that they've tried to sign him before. I definitely believe that he's, he's got a great working relationship with his agent and understanding <laughs> his value and his worth. And so the number's going to have to be right. And mm -hmm. with the cap going up very little, but potentially even more in the coming years and seeing that he bills as a top four defenseman, even though, and we'll probably talk about this more at length, the health concerns are still there. Absolutely. I could see him wanting something like four by four. Mm -hmm. And I, I could, I would say that he is worth that risk. Um, it's it's very different from the Newhook situation, and I I know that it's a risk is the perfect word because we haven't really gotten a full season of Bo right. Byram either. Right. But what little we've seen in the body of work we do have to work with has been really impressive, and I think we're learning, especially in the Stanley Cup playoffs, how defense can win and lose a series, and how important it is to invest in that. Um, and even though one single piece can't fix a team, if there is a good fit, which I think there is with Byram, the way that Colorado likes to play, the way that he plays, I think that's why it's important to keep that marriage alive um, because of what he projects to be and what I think that the going rate for a defenseman of his caliber is going to be. Yes. I just think we're moving towards this becoming a position that teams are willing to spend more on. And that's why I think you got to lock down Byram. He's young. He's the future. And I know that there's the health risk. We can definitely unpack that more, but that's kind of generally where I stand. I, I, I agree with a lot of what you just said. And, and, and part of what makes Byram unique is the fact that from a production standpoint, what you've seen out of him on the ice should, I mean, honestly, I mean, you could make the argument that he's worth more than four by four. But where he does lose a little bit of his, I don't want to say leverage, but like where that argument runs out a little bit is, yeah, it's been great when you've been on the ice. For other comps, your age, your, you know, whatever, they've been on the ice a lot more than you. And so it's about finding that balance because I really do, I think the abs are looking at this and saying, how do we set ourselves up to have Makar and Byram on our top pairing for the next 15 years, 10 years, whatever. And just, you know, have that top pairing that is just their shutdown, their play drivers, their penalty killers, their they play on, you know, power play one and two, they're each our quarterbacks. And, you know, how how do we make this happen? I really do think that that's what they're trying to dial in. And that's why I wasn't surprised when I've heard that this negotiation has kind of been going on a bit. Because I'd be willing to bet that the Avs tried to come in and be like, hey, you're young. This is your first, this is your second contract, first contract coming off your ELC. Let's get you locked up. Let's get you some money. Let's get some term. And they were like, him and his agent were probably like, whoa, 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 whoa. We know how valuable he is. We know that in 
four of six games in the Stanley Cup final, he was the best player on the ice. And we see what impact he has. I wrote about it in our roundtable. Anybody that has ever talked to him, seen him interact with other players, this is not a kid who is short on confidence. Mm -hmm. This is not a kid who is short on understanding what he brings and his value. And then to your point, <laughs> sounds like he's got a nice working relationship with his agent and his agent understands all those things and his agent is confident and all of that stuff. So th this is going to be an interesting one. And that's why I really do think this is where it all has to start. You have to figure out what you're doing with Byron before you can even have the new hook conversation before you can even have you know, whatever kind of trades, who do we want to bring in? What do we want to do before you start dipping into that Gabe Landeskog money, any of that stuff, you have to know what you're doing with Bowen Byram. Let me ask you four by four. If, if they announce that we get off the show, the abs announced four by four for Bowen Byram. Do you feel good about that? I do feel good about that. It definitely shapes then their flexibility to make other decisions and it could come at the expense of other things that I'd also want but that is the priority in my eyes. See, uh, and, and I'm with you. I, I would be fine by f with four by four. In a perfect world, I think you want him. <laughs> and I'd be willing to bet the contract that the Avs initially came to the table with was, hey, take Sam Gerrard's deal. Seven years, five million bucks. You maybe overpay a little bit in the first year, but you hope that by year four, it's, you know, <laughs> and I'd be willing to bet that him and his agent came back and were like, we don't want you guys to be laughing all the way in year four. We want to make sure that everybody's happy with this. Right. And so as much as it will potentially be a risk for the abs to go with something like a four by four and in four years, he costs you a lot more than that. I think that's where you have to hope you were mentioning. You have to hope the cap goes up and helps you out a little bit there. Definitely, Be because I think you're right. I think that they're also Byram's side of this is well aware of the projected cap increase <laughs> and the, point. I didn't even, the, yeah. the value of a defenseman down the line. So yeah. I think that's why term is a slippery slope right now with Byram. And honestly, for the abs, it is too, because of health being a concern. Absolutely. So something middle range in term, I think, benefits both parties. But I think that that's going to that's why it's going to come in around that four by four number. Yeah. DNBR avalanche podcast, uh, Jesse, Megan, uh, brought to you guys by pins and aces. Uh, pins and aces is the official golf apparel partner of all city and Denver. Uh, we were able to get some, uh, pins and aces gear. Uh, what a week ago, two weeks ago, I busted out both my shirts last week, uh, that I got, I got a nice button up, nice little floral button up. Did you wear them on shows? I didn't. Okay, because I missed a few shows at the end, so yeah. I, I didn't know if I missed it. No, 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 I didn't. And act, you know what? I'm going to commit right now that I'll wear I'll wear my nice flower floral one next Wednesday just for you, Megan. This Megan's. is exciting. I'll, yeah. <laughs> I have a Caddyshack shirt. Perfect. I'll plan yeah. on it. Yeah, this is great. Uh, but no, super comfortable. I've always had huge beef with men's button-up shirts because they're made out of the only fabric on earth that doesn't stretch. Uh, not, the, not the case with my Pins and Aces gear. Uh, it's super comfortable, breathable. Uh, all that good stuff. Uh, really, I, 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 like I said, I wore both the shirts. I got uh, hats and stuff like that. I think it's all great quality and it's great. It's fun graphics and looked very handsome in my button up, you know? Um, family owned uh, golf and apparel business based right here in Colorado. Uh, check out pinsandaces.com. Use the code DNVR. You're going to get 15% off uh, your first order and free shipping. Pinsandaces.com. 
all spelled out. Use the code DNVR, get 15% off your first order. Uh, and yeah, it's just, it's great stuff. Fun gear now, especially for the summer. Uh, also brought to you guys by Shady Rays. I talk about it every week. I worked in the sunglass industry for, for several years. Um, the eyewear industry, I guess I should say. What Shady Rays is doing is something that I've been waiting for a company to do for a long time. Really high quality uh, sunglasses that look nice, uh, that, you know, polarized, none. They've got all your options for you and it's at a not absolutely ridiculous price. Um, there's a lot of cool shades out there, but they all cost you an arm and a leg. Shady Rays has found a way that you get the great looking shades with the really high quality that you want, uh, but at a realistic price uh, and something that I think everybody, you know, is, is, is happy to pay. If you lose or break a pair, even on day one, they told us they will send you a brand new pair. No questions asked. Wear your Shady Rays with confidence uh, because they have your back. How many pairs of sunglasses have you lost? You sat down, you walk away from Shady Rays will replace them for you again, and they're really high quality. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, you have they have a brick mortar brick and mortar in Park Meadows Mall. If you are here local in Colorado, down near my house, let me know. I'll come up and say what's up. <laughs> uh, I've talked to the folks in there. They're all big sports fans, fans of DNVR. They watch, they listen, uh, all of that good stuff. Uh, if you don't love your Shady Rays, they'll even let you swap them out for a new pair for free within the first 30 days. So there's no risk. They replace them if you lose them or break them. They'll let you get a new pair if you don't like them. There's zero risk to trying out Shady Rays. Uh, and for our listeners, exclusively head to ShadyRays.com. Use the code DNVR. You're going to get 50% off two pairs of polarized sunglasses. Uh, so you can try these shades that have been rated five stars by over a quarter of a million people. ShadyRays.com. Use the code DNVR. Get half off two pairs of shades. DNVR Avalanche Podcast. Jesse, Megan, Tiff on the board. Uh, we just talked about Bowen Byram and what kind of implications that could have for the Avs, this roster. What does that money mean? You said if they go four by four or even if they did a Sam Gerrard seven by five something that dips into the flexibility that you have. Doesn't mean there's not options. I'm purely throwing this out there, Megan. I'm not saying this is going to happen. I haven't heard this from anybody. Kyle Dubas talked a couple days ago at the Toronto Maple Leafs uh, season-ending press conference, and he said, everything is on the table. We are looking at moves like what Calgary and Florida pulled off last summer with Matthew Kachuk, Jonathan Huberto. We're looking to shake, like they're, they're looking to shake things up. I don't know if that, I don't know if Kyle Dubas is back. I don't know if Sheldon Keefe is back at head coach. I don't know which of that core four stays. I have a really hard time believing all four of Tavares, Matthews, Marner, and William Nylander are back next year. You, you just need some kind of shakeup, shock to the system for that organization. And again, this is just me throwing it out there. I'm going to throw two names at you, and I just want you to tell me what you think. Devon Taves, Mitch Marner. I thought you were going to say Nylander. No, I, well, I, I think that's too rich for a guy like William Nylander. I agree. I, cause <laughs> I, but no, I know a lot of people have strong feelings about Mitch Marner. I really like Mitch Marner, but here's where I'm struggling. with just like a tiny, tiny bit with yep. Nylander or Marner. That is still rich for a wing. Totally. And it, it's not a no, it's not an immediate. No. Um, 
And it kind of comes down to the conversation we've had about Devontae's in the past is we're just really not sure what happens beyond this year if the Avs will have any ability to keep him. And so the possibility of them being unable to is present, even though they'll have at least one more year of him. Right. Um, and so in knowing that, then maybe, like, and I, I don't know what that means, then, like, would Mitch Marner come in? What would his situation look like? Would it be something you imagine short-term, something short-term that could become long-term? Uh, I, so I really do, again, just with just drawing on the comp of Huberto and Kachuk deal, right? And obviously there's other pieces of that, Mackenzie Weger, et cetera, et cetera. Right. But that to me was two teams that were saying, hey, we don't know what our future holds with this player. They're a high-end player. We don't want to risk losing them for nothing. Both organizations felt like they needed to change things up. You know, the Calgary Flames had just watched Johnny Gaudreau walk out the door for nothing. They were saying, we're not doing that again with Mitch or um, with Matthew Kachuk. Florida was looking at it saying, we don't know what we can do with Mackenzie Weger and Huberto. We don't know if we can keep them both, if we can only keep one, if they're both going to walk. We're just not really sure. And that's why I look at this and say, Okay, is this something that is this a deal that would fill a need for both teams? It would give the Avs some certainty, you know, in terms of like, well, we don't know if we can keep Devon Taves past this year. Let's move on from him. Oh, I hit myself in the face with this. And that opens up a slot for Bowen Byram on that top pairing. Uh, right. You, you know, that you're now talking. You're not moving on from Sam Gerrard. He's now solidified in your in your second pairing. You, you put him with Josh Manson. And yeah, you maybe have to do a little bit of work on that bottom pairing. But like, who doesn't have to do work on their third pair defenseman in the offseason? Like I said, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if that's even something they're entertaining. But you just look at what Toronto has to offer. If you're looking for a legitimate shakeup, I don't know what kind of return William Nylander actually fetches because... His play just has such wild peaks and valleys. <laughs> he can be really, really, really good, but he also has just some deficiencies that you're like, what? What did you, like? What was that play? I just feel like Mitch Marner's a little bit higher end, a little bit more consistent, and I don't know. Maybe you'd have to package a little bit with Taves. You know, maybe both sides would have to add. Here's a pick. Here's a prospect. All right, we'll send the Avs. will send a first. We'll get a mid-level prospect in return. You know. Maybe there's some balancing that has to go on there. But I just look at that as if you're talking a Matthew Kuchuk-esque trade, Devon Taves for Mitch Marner as kind of the baseline deal checks a lot of those boxes for me. It definitely does. And I know there's probably people listening who would say that Marner also has these highs sure. and lows. Yep. But I think that the floor is higher. I agree. With Marner. Um, and I know that playoffs specifically is where Marner takes a lot of criticism. I thought he had a, a terrific first round. I know that things were just generally difficult. I think maybe he was quieter in the second round than they would have liked. Um, but that's kind of true of Toronto, though, generally in the second Absolutely, round, yeah. not getting qu quite what they needed. Um, so anyways, I'm a big Mitch Marner fan. I don't hate this idea. It would be really hard to part with Devon Taves because of how well he fits in Colorado. So it's no small loss for Colorado to imagine, certainly. But I think I've talked on other pods about how much I do like Marner. And I could see the way that he likes to play really fitting in in Colorado. But I could also see him benefiting from the way Colorado likes to play and becoming a better player Absolutely. just in battles. Honestly, I think that's an area he could get stronger in. And I think if he played... 
like I, I'm not sure where to even put him just yet, um, but I could honestly see him on a line with like a Val Nichushkin type second line. Um, see, my my thought was you go Val, Nate, Marner. Okay, move Rants. And then you had so much success with Rantanen and McKinnon playing away from each other this year. Yeah. Why not? I don't hate that either. Um, and so you had Nichushkin up. I, mm-hmm. I like one of Aleknin or Nichushkin there, yeah. but... Nutushkin more so mm-hmm. for the sake of being a little bit more reliable defensively totally. on that line and holding Marner accountable then. Yeah, no, and and I agree with what you said about Marner's. I think his floor is higher, higher and I think his ceiling is higher. Yes, definitely. I, I think they can spend, I think him and Nylander can spend a lot of time in the same area, but when they're both at their best, give me Mitch Marner. And I just feel like their worst, you never want someone's worst, but I do feel like Mitch Marner's worst is... A little bit better than what you get out of William Nylander. Look, I mean, like there's a there's a comment right there that says Nylander for Taves one for one. Uh, yeah, I, I mean that that maybe would be a one for one again if you're the Avs. I don't know how you feel about that value. Mitch Marner does, of course, come with a ten million dollar cap hit uh, for two more seasons. So again, you have a little bit more. You have another. You have an additional year beyond what you have with Taves. Uh, you know, no Gabe Landeskog this year makes that money a little bit easier to manage, at least in the immediate deal right. with it more next summer. Um, I just, I, I look at again, the Matthew Kachuk trade that Kyle Dubas referenced, right? Their need for a, a meaningful shakeup, firing your coaches in a meaningful shakeup. I don't think William Nylander quite gets to the return that you're looking for. I, I don't, I'm not necessarily saying Sam Gerard because we've talked on the pod that I don't really know if Sam Gerard fits, but that to me is more of the caliber of player that you're talking about in a William Nylander deal. Saying. Yeah. Um, and I don't know, maybe they would have some interest in Sam Gerard. I, I don't really think so, but again, just that level of player. And I just think Devon Taves is a tier above that. So I don't know if you're looking for a meaningful change um, in Toronto, Taves definitely gives you something you don't have moving Mitch Marner out changes the way that that team looks and it solves Colorado's top six issue. Yeah. You'd like it to be a center, but we just talked on the show on Monday that the Avs have options there. Like you have some things you can try at center. If you can add a guy like Mitch Marner to your forward core or even William Nylander to a different extent, that moves the needle in a significant way especially if you feel confident with Bowen Byram coming in and taking the Devontae spot on that top pairing. <laughs> Sorry. I, was, <laughs> I saw my name and I had no context, <laughs> but and I think to the other fair call, fair call out here is the priority is still the, the second line centerman need to be filled. But with Landis missing the entire season, there is an argument to be made, made for needing more help on wing. So I know there are people who are like, no, we just need a second line centerman. And I would say, I think we need, both. Both. I think we need a winger that at least projects top six talent and then the second line centerman question does need to be resolved. So I I do think both of these are things that need to be met, including a winger. If I I agree with you, you know, if if you bring, like I said, I think the abs have some options internally that maybe you don't love at center, but I do think after last season, Miko Rantanen is one of them. You know, we'll see what happens with JT Comfer. Right. Got Alex Newhook. You know, I, I don't know. But I mean, like, Megan, would you see, Would you hate a summer of Devon Taves for Mitch Marner and then you go sign Jonathan Taves? 
on the cheap. And it's like, cool, here's another option that we can kind of flex in and out of that spot as needed. And we feel really good again about our top six. That was an awfully deep breath in. So I'm going to take it that no, you don't really I, like that. I don't think it can be Jonathan Taves. I think there's too much question around. And I, I Health know again. No, and I know you're not like specifically saying Jonathan Taves. You're saying in that realm. Yeah. And so if you offered a different name there, I'm, I'm interested. I'm listening. He's just a tough one because I, I really don't feel good about the health situation. Um, that I, I don't think the Avs could consider it. Okay. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're, you're not wrong. And I think Jonathan Taves has answers, uh, questions. Um, he has to answer himself about his health. What's he doing? Does he want to come back? Does he want to try to do this again? His body is taking a pretty serious toll, uh, over the last couple of seasons. Uh, you're right to me, Jonathan Taves with all due respect to him, to me, wherever he goes, if he chooses to play, that's a one-year, $1 million type, really low risk. Again, whether that's with Colorado or any of the other teams, you just can't be taking that big of a swing on a player like that. It's interesting, too, what sort of names we've thrown around are like, well, we'd entertain it if it, if it was in the one mil range. And there's such an interesting difference between like a Druen and a Taves. Yeah, yeah. And even, I mean, there's there's people we've talked about for more league minimum territory that we would entertain too, but I think that is just to point to how unpredictable parts of this offseason I think are going to be because Chris McFarland's saying that they're going to consider everything, mm -hmm. not in the same way as Dubas said right, it, right, definitely right. different context. <laughs> it opens a world of possibility that I get a little excited about. Yeah. I, I mean, like, look, that, that not to keep referencing it, but like, it's the closest thing we've had to like, when you hear a team say everything's on the table and they go do Matthew Kachuk for Huberto and exactly, Mackenzie Weger. Exactly. Not out of desperation, thankfully right. too. Right. It, it was a move that both teams, like we think both teams come out, you know, good here hindsight it looks like florida maybe got the better end of that deal we'll see what calgary does right, next year right Huberto right? had an unconvinced like not a, not a normal season right and there was a there was i think there was more change in calgary than there was in florida right and there's a lot of things that go into that but you know when to your point when you see something like that happen and then one summer later you have two teams not all that unlike where calgary and florida were positionally last year right Florida just come off winning the president's trophy. Calgary was a very much a contender in the Pacific division. Yeah. You're looking at the abs and the Leafs here. And it's like, I don't know, maybe, maybe there is a deal to be made here between these two teams, given some of the uncertainty the abs have contract wise over the next couple of years. And given the fact that Toronto needs something to change, they need something to change. And Devon Taves is an element they don't have. And like you said, it'd be really, really hard for the abs to part with Devon Taves because he's been so good here. But if he's been so good that you can't afford him a year from now, then you have to make some decisions and you have to look out for what's best for the organization. I do expect either way, I think we're going to see a couple big deals this summer. I think there's a few teams. Edmonton is one of them. Uh, Toronto is one of them. Like you said, Chris McFarland told us just a couple weeks ago, the Avs are one of them. Like there's teams looking to shake things up a bit. Could you see Vancouver being a player in this? Yeah, I could too. And I, I could see that being a destination for Taves to consider mm -hmm. if, if obviously the return was something worthwhile. But. Absolutely. You know, they're, they're a team where again, something's got to get, uh, you know, they, they've been stuck in 
mediocre purgatory hell for 10 years now. Like they got to get something figured out. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's going to be an interesting summer. And, and the one, the one thing that we know for absolute certain the central division at bare minimum is going to look very different next year in terms of personnel. And, um, I, you know, we're, we're going to start to see some of these, you know, you and I talked about it on at the rink, right. As the season is ending, the regular season ending, we're starting to see a change over here and who the top teams have been for the last decade and a half. There's new ones coming in. You know, you've got two teams in the conference final who have never won a cup. The other two each have one cup and it's been quite a while since they've been there. Um, Things are changing and and I expect there to be, I think we're going to get, we're going to see more fireworks like we did last year between Kachuk and, or excuse me, between Florida and Calgary. And the fun chaos part is, there's a lot of this stuff that has to happen, like kind of before the draft. Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. If they're going to move picks, any anybody, yeah, they need to start making some decisions. Yeah. So it's it's gonna, the playoffs are gonna die down here, and it's gonna be fast and furious, and and it's gonna be all over the place. Uh, Craig mentioned it there at the top. We will be in Nashville, so hopefully there's. If the abs don't end up making a lot of picks, hopefully there's just a lot of trade chaos for us to like. Yeah, because we're going to have to talk about something. something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if they're trading those picks, hopefully it's for something good. Uh, but I think we are going to get out of here for today. Um, I, I, do you have any final thoughts? Anything else? No. I think that's it. Covered a lot today. Uh, I think I'll be back on the show tomorrow. I think you got the day off. Uh, and then you and I will be back here doing this show next Wednesday. Um, and we'll kind of continue to build on a lot of the stuff that we've been talking about here today is it'll all just keep getting more and more interesting. Uh, we got, uh, con- conference finals kicking off tomorrow. So we'll have that to talk about as well. Um, it's a bummer because the NHL season is dying down, but this is also a really exciting time. Yeah. I can't even think about that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we're getting there folks. Uh, Jesse Montano, Megan Angley, Tiff running the board, making sure you guys can see us and hear us. Uh, thanks all so much for listening. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow.